traditions. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament there, Leviticus chapter 25. This evening, the biblical significance of the Jubilee year. This is our 50th anniversary. And, uh, so this is our theme for this year, focusing upon 50 years of God's grace here at Metropolitan Baptist Church. And our theme, the, uh, our yearly theme is based upon Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church through Christ Jesus. So we want to bring glory to God on this uh, anniversary uh, year, 50 years, the year of Jubilee. And uh, so I believe it's appropriate that we spend a few moments and look into the scriptures and know what was involved in the year of Jubilee for God's people. And let's see what applications we can make uh, from that. Note there Leviticus chapter 25 verses 8 to 12. Leviticus chapter 25 verses 8 to 12 gives us a summary, comprehensive summary of what's involved in the year of Jubilee. Verse 8 reads, And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years, and the space of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the day of atonement shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you. And ye shall return every man unto his possession. And ye shall return every man unto his family. A jubilee shall that fiftieth year be unto you. Ye shall not sow, neither reap that which grow of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in it, of thy vine and dress. Verse 12, For it is the Jubilee, and it shall be holy unto you, and ye shall eat the increase thereof out of the field. That's our prayer. O oh God, we bless you, and we are grateful for this year that we can rejoice in our Jubilee. As a church, oh God, please teach us, uh, help us to make application to our lives from the Jubilee year within your eternal word that you commissioned for your people. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask and pray. Amen. As I've said, it would be profitable for us to understand the Jewish Jubilee which was a 50-year milestone. 
on the Jewish calendar. The yearly calendar revolves seven main feasts. You've got the feast of Passover, you've got the feast of unleavened bread, the first fruits, Pentecost, uh, feast of trumpets, uh, the Day of Atonement, and last but not least, the feast of tabernacles. And uh, these seven main feasts are outlined in Leviticus chapter 23, which we don't have time this evening to look at. But here in chapter 25, God makes reference to the year of Jubilee, the 50th year. And, and God commissions his people to respond accordingly to this 50th year. It's interesting, if you were to study Leviticus chapter 25 and 26, you will note the word land referred to no less than 39 times. 39 times in two chapters. And within that, God stresses to his people, the land is mine. It's mine. And he also stresses the fact that uh, the nation of Israel belonged to God. That God has redeemed Israel out of bondage. And we see this emphasis within these two chapters. Now, here in Leviticus chapter 25, from verses 8 to the end of the chapter, we have the details concerning the Jubilee year. So I'd like to encourage you to uh, take note and be mindful of what the Jubilee should have meant to God's people and, and I trust that you will have the spirit during our jubilee to make application personally of what the scriptures teach in principle. Now, the word jubilee is found 22 times in the Bible. 22 times in the scriptures. 15 of those are within chapter 25 of the book of Leviticus. And here in verse number uh, 9, we have the first reference to the Jubilee. The Jubilee. And the Bible is very clear here that the Jubilee is in reference to a 50-year milestone. 7 times 7, 49 and then the next year being the Jubilee. So God commissioned his people to honour this 50th year, this Jubilee, in a certain way. Now the word Jubilee, to some of us, we might be thinking, oh, it means 50. Uh, actually, it doesn't. It actually means ram's horn. Uh, that's what it means. It doesn't mean 50. It, uh, it's a literal translation of a Hebrew word that means a ram's horn. And the background of this is that each new year, um, the new Jewish civil year would be announced with the blowing of trumpets or the blowing of land. Uh, on the first day of 
the seventh month. So this is the Feast of Trumpets, and uh, this was the uh, Jewish New Year, uh, Rosh Hashanah. And uh, so this is the beginning of the new civil year. Now, 10 days later, 10 days later, and uh, it's referred there in verse number nine, 10 days later, uh, we have the Day of Atonement. So every 50 years at the close of the Day of Atonement, every 50 years at the close of the Day of Atonement, the horns, the ram's horns, the trumpets would be blown to announce the year of the Jubilee has begun. And that's spelled out there in verses 8 and 9. So this year of Jubilee uh, has its beginnings at the conclusion of the Day of Atonement with the blowing of the trumpets or the ram's horns. So let's now focus on the main elements of the year of Jubilee. How were the Jewish people to honour their God by taking part in this Jubilee celebration? And what applications can you and I make from the elements of the Jubilee, the 50th year? The first point I want to stress is this. As I've already mentioned, the year of Jubilee, the 50th year, began on the day of atonement. The day of atonement, that 50th year, was when the trumpets will be blown and the year of jubilee is announced and begins formally. So the year begins within the day of atonement. Now this is very significant. This feast, known as the day of atonement, would have to be the most solemn of all the Jewish festivals because the Day of Atonement involved uh, God's people uh, examining themselves, acknowledging their sin, repenting of their sin, seeking cleansing and forgiveness from Almighty God. So God's people had to be right with God. And that's what the Day of Atonement was all about. And it's of interest to me that this year of Jubilee was announced upon the Day of Atonement, in which God's people were to look deeply within and to, and to be found right with God. And if they were not right with God, they were to do everything in their power to get right with God. So the point I want to make is this. I hope you're listening. The year of Jubilee involves God's people getting right with God. God's people getting right with God. God's people had to be right with God at the beginning of the year of Jubilee. See, God isn't interested in people just going through the motions of worship. He wants worship that flows from a heart that is right with God and right with fellow man. So this year of Jubilee involves God 
in a right standing before God. So it's no coincidence that the year of Jubilee began on the Day of Atonement. Let me ask you this evening, are you right with God? Are you right with God? The probability is that within this group, there are some of us that are just going through the motions and we have not been and we are not right with God. And I'd like to challenge you on our 50th anniversary, on our jubilee, that you and I settle the record straight and that we do what we need to do to be right with God. And as we celebrate our jubilee as a church, let's ask the question, am I, are you, right with God? See, God calls for self-examination. The Day of Atonement was not about people pointing the finger at others. The Day of Atonement involved people looking within and taking care of their own backyard. And this is what ignited the Jubilee. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, it talks about examining yourself before we partake at our Lord's table. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it talks about examining yourself, whether you be in the faith. And beloved, this evening, in this Jubilee year, I'd like to challenge you concerning the importance of you and I being right with God. Because if we are not right with God, we are not right with one another. If we are not right with one another, we are not right with God. Amen, Pastor. It goes both ways. If we are not right with one another, we are not right with God. If we are not right with God, we are not right with one another. Let me ask you this evening, are you right with God? See, this ignited, this is the spark that began on the basis upon which the year of Jubilee began. Do we need to get right with God? This year is the year of years to get right with God. Amen. The year of Jubilee. Our 50 So it's no coincidence that it begins on the Day of Atonement. And the whole idea of the Day of Atonement was that each of God's people examined themselves and made sure that they were right with their God. Remember what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 8? This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I trust that's not you. I trust that's not me. I trust that you and I, during this 50th anniversary, will make sure that we are right with God and right with one another. That's the first principle of the Jubilee. Now look carefully with me at verses 11 and 12 once again. So verse 9 gives us the initial principle 
in relation to the year of Jubilee, you were set within the context of God's people being cleansed and being right with their God. Note here in verses 11 and 12, part of the year of Jubilee was the resting of the land. The resting of the land. Let's read verses 11 and 12 once again. A Jubilee shall that 50th year be unto you, verse 11, ye shall not sow, neither reap that which groweth of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in it, or of thy vine undressed. For it is the Jubilee. It shall be holy unto you. And ye shall eat the increase thereof out of the field. So during this year of Jubilee, the land was to rest. The land was to rest for the year. Now this involved a great deal of faith because the previous year, the 49th year, every seven years, they were to rest the land. And now we find year 50, they've got to rest the land again. Two years in a row. The Jews had to trust God to provide for not only the 49th year, but the 50th year. During this year, the people were forbidden to plant, to work, to harvest the land. They had to live off whatever the land produced of its own accord. They had to trust God to keep his promise in providing there in verses 20 and 20, uh, verses 20 and 22 it reads, And if ye shall say, What shall we eat the seventh year? Behold, ye shall not sow nor gather in our increase. Verse 21, Then I will command my blessing upon you in the sixth year. And it shall bring forth fruit for how many years? Three years. And ye shall sow, and ye shall sow the eighth year, and the eighth year of the old fruit until the ninth year, until her fruits come in, ye shall eat of the old store. So in other words, God's people on year six have to trust God for a triple blessing. A triple blessing to tie them over. And here we have within the year of Jubilee, God's people had to rest the land on, on every seventh year they were to rest the land. And here we have the Jubilee, they had to rest the land once again. So therefore God's people had to trust God to keep his promise in providing up to three years worth of food on that year six. So what can we learn from this? Well, we have the general principle of renewal within a season of rest. We have this in the principle of the six-day working week, one-day rest. We need to refresh physically, and we need to be refreshed spiritually. And God has ingrained within his creation the need to rest what we work with. And we need to rest personally. 
And this year of resting the land would also involve resting laborers, resting animals, resting equipment. It was a year of rest. It's a double header. They just had the 49th, now they've got the 50th. So they've got to really trust God. And this brings me to my second main application when it comes to this year of rest or resting the land. There is not only the, the general principle that God has ingrained within his creation and within you and me, six days work, one day rest. And most of us are not good at that. And I am guilty 101. Six days work, one day rest. But I want to also draw the application, which I've already hinted to, the fact that God's people, during this resting of the land, God's people had to trust God. They had to trust God to provide in spite of their labors. See, God promised to continually provide for his people. And this gave the people an opportunity to trust God to do what he said he would do. So this jubilee year involved trusting God. That God said he would provide and now God's people are called upon to trust God. And instead of working the land, they would turn trust God. As God said, rest, you rest, I'll provide. You honor my principle of rest, and I will provide. So this year of Jubilee for you, 2024, might involve trusting God. Trusting God to provide in a special way. This is what he promised. In Psalm 23, verse 1, David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This year of Jubilee forced God's people to trust him. To trust him. So the year of Jubilee involved God's people getting right with God, God's people resting the land, and more so, Trusting God. And I wonder what is it for you in 2024 that during this year of Jubilee, God would have you to trust Him just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Psalm 37:25, David testified, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed beaten bread. And yes, we say amen to that. God provides. Well, God is putting his people to the test. You've already had a year of rest, and now this is the 50th, and now I want you to trust me even more so. Even more so. Rest the land. Go back to verse number 10. Now, I'm just highlighting these main principles. We'll say more in time to come. But uh, just the main principles for this evening of the 
Jubilee year. Number one, right with God. Number two, rest the land. Trust God to provide in spite of our efforts. Thirdly, note here in verse number 10, it talks about the release, the releasing of slaves. Now, in verse 10, it talks about, and ye shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. Now, if we had time, we would study verses 39 all the way to 54. 39 to 54, God expands on this principle that during this jubilee, that people were to be set free. The release of slaves. All slaves were to be set free, and all debts were to be released. The people were commanded to release their indentured servants so they could return to their families and lands. Now, some of God's people voluntarily sold themselves into slavery because of a financial crisis. During their time, they were to be treated with care, with dignity, and the Bible is very clear on that. But in the year of Jubilee, they were to be released and their debts were clear. Hallelujah. Year of the Jubilee, the release of slaves and the releasing of debts. They were set free from the bondage of debt, those that were indebted to them. And if they had slaves working with them, they were to set them free. And this is a key ingredient of the year of Jubilee. Now, it was possible to redeem a person or property anytime for a kinsman. A kinsman is, is a, uh, a relative that can afford to, to, to buy you out, to redeem you. That can take place at any time, okay? So if you were, if you sold yourself into slavery uh, and you had a huge debt and a, a kinsman comes along by the name of Boaz and Boaz says, I'm prepared to pay your debts, that's possible. And, and that happened, and that can happen at any time. But if there was no kinsman redeemer, if there was no if, if there was nobody that could afford to pay your debt, and you reached the year of jubilee, then you were to be automatically released, and any debt that was uh, on your account was to be wiped clean. That's the principle of releasing on the year of Jubilee. Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer, is he not? He alone could afford to pay our debt, the debt of sin. And therefore we need to be willing to offer people release. I'd like to draw the application when I 
comes to the principle of forgiveness. For there in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, uh, please quickly, let's be reminded of this wonderful, wonderful verse. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 as a way of application, this idea of releasing, releasing one that is indebted to you. There in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 it reads, And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, let's say it together, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Amen to that. We need to be willing to let loose. We need to be willing to release those that are indebted to us, those that have wronged us. We need to be willing to forgive because we are forgiven. So the year of Jubilee not only involved God's people getting right with God, it involved God's people having a rest, resting the land, but also involved God's people releasing those that are indebted to them. I just wonder how many are indebted to you. How many are there? In your life, in my life, that we are unwilling to release and forgive. See, the word forgive means to let go. That's what it means. Literally means to let it go. The year of Jubilee involved letting loose, letting go. And I think of the principle of forgiveness, that many of us have enslaved individuals because we are not willing to let them go, we're not willing to forgive them for how they wronged us. And I'd like to encourage you during this year, this year, the year of Jubilee, let it go, let it go. You and I have been released. We have a kinsman redeemer in Jesus Christ that has forgiven us. And therefore, because we are forgiven, we have no right to hold in bondage, to hold in captivity others because we're unwilling to forgive them. Unforgiveness in your heart might be the very thing that is holding you back from growing and serving the Lord effectively. And I challenge you during this Jubilee year to release, to let go. To let go of that slave, that unforgiveness in your life. And also verse number 10 makes reference to restoration of land. Restoration of land. The second part of verse 10 reads, It shall be a jubilee unto you. And note this next little phrase. And ye shall return every man unto his possession. Unto his possession. Now verses 13, look at verse 13. In the year of this jubilee, ye shall return every man unto his possession. 
Okay? So from verses 30, 13 to 27, we have detail concerning this principle of restoring, that all land was to be returned to the original owner. And the emphasis within Leviticus 25 and Leviticus 26, uh, God's made it very clear to his people, this land is mine. You are mine, Israel. And what you have is really mine. And I'm allowing you to be stewards of that. See? So there's the principle of stewardship here. So all land had to be returned to the original owner in the year of Jubilee. Any property that was sold since the last year of Jubilee would have to be reinstated to the original owner. And God made it very clear that he wanted his land to remain within the tribes, within the families, to which that land was allotted to. We read in the book of Joshua, portions of land being allotted to the different tribes of Israel. So God gave everybody their portion. And for people to take care of their families, they had to have their own land to work and to cultivate. And also the private ownership gave stability to the economy and security for a family because they had their land, they had their family land. So as I've said, and as it reads there in verse number 2 of chapter 25, God said, when ye come into the land which I give you. So strictly speaking, God owns all land. This rubbish about welcome to country is rubbish. Because God owns the land. What right do you and I have to say welcome to country? No, this is God's country. God is creator. God owns everything. See? And this is spelled out within the pages of Scripture. Strictly speaking, God owns all land, but he has entrusted specific portions for each of his people. And God holds individuals responsible for what they have been given. Now, we tend to be more responsible with what we own as opposed to what we borrow or hire. That's just how it is. Proven scientific fact. And this idea of restoration was also a, a practical safeguard against those that were out to accumulate and control land holdings. Those that were playing Monopoly, as I call them. You know? Their work is all wrapped up in how many houses and how many lands they own. As if that's going to get them closer to God. And this was a safeguard against this type of monopoly. Because at the end of the day, God gave land. The land was God's. And God entrusted that land to individuals. And they were to cultivate that land for God's glory and for 
provide for their families. Nothing more, nothing less. So in the year of Jubilee, if you had land that was sold to you, you have to give it back. It's the original one. The principle of restoration. To restore. All land had to be returned to the original owner on the year of Jubilee. Let me ask you this evening, what do we have that rightly belongs to someone else? What relationship needs to be restored within your life? Is there a relationship that needs to be worked on? This is the year. This is the year of Jubilee. It's a year of getting right with God. It's a year of rest. It's a year of letting go, release. It's a year of restoration, restoring. Do we need to restore a relationship within our homes? Maybe with our spouse? Maybe with our children, maybe with extended family, maybe within the church, maybe within the workplace. So the year of Jubilee was a year of restoration. Restore. Give back that which belongs to another. Everybody and anybody that owned land by whatever means that belonged to somebody else in the year of Jubilee, it was to be handed back, handed back. See, the key word of Jubilee is liberty. Note then verse number 10 of chapter 25, you shall hollow the 50th year and proclaim liberty, freedom, release. This is the key word of Jubilee. The Latin word jubilant carries the idea of rejoicing, being happy. And may I submit to you if we will honour the principles within the jubilee, we'll be far happier. Far happier. If we are right with God, if we are rested, we'll be happy. When you learn to trust God as opposed to your own efforts, you see God still provide, you'll be happy. When you release, let go that slave, that sin, that you're holding on to and controlling by spirit of unforgiveness, you'll be happier. And when you restore that which is in need of restoration, you'll be happier. Principles of the Jubilee. It's interesting to note, in closing, that unfortunately, 
We have no record in Scripture. And if you can find some evidence, I'm happy to hear from you. There is no record within the pages of the Old Testament that God's people ever applied the principles of the Jubilee. Go ahead, have a look at it. Well, fine. Here it is. But we don't read of them actually practicing what was required. That's a bit sad, isn't it? But I think there's a lesson for you and I. The lesson for you and I is, may God spare us during this year of Jubilee in failing to get right with God, to rest Him, that forces us to trust Him. Release. Let go. Let it go. That person that's wronged you, let it go. We've all been wrong. Welcome to the club. Let it go. It's the year of Jubilee. Let it go. Number four, restore. Four hours. Rise, rest, release, restore. Principles And we have no record within the pages of Scripture. Even Josephus, Josephus would have to be um, the most recognized, authoritative Jewish voice in relation to Israel's history, he makes no reference whatsoever of God's people celebrating the Jubilee. It's sad. But a sober reminder to you and I, and a challenge to you and I, that you and I would not be found guilty of not applying what we know we need to do from the pages of Scripture. It is right to be right with God. Do I get an amen? It is right to rest. Come on, some of you. Amen to that. It is right to release. Let it go. Let's make it a goal in 2024.
the year.